hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And it's cold out there, y'all. It is cold out there. Uh, we have uh, here in Seattle about a foot of snow and it's still snowing. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that on the, well, not on the news, but I saw that just on the internet. Um, that's, that's, a that's a lot, lot of, snow of snow for Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot of snow for anywhere, but especially for Seattle. Yeah. We yeah. don't have any snow here, but it's it's been raining for about a week straight and it's cold. So and it's supposed to keep raining for the next week. So that's gonna be uh I hope there aren't any any flooding going on. But yeah. How about you, Carl? We got some snow. Maybe what like is your... What is your like average winter snowfall like? Do you guys see a lot of snow? Mm, it really depends. Like, I don't know. There's usually snow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's also Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody! Oh yeah, it is Valentine's Day. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I- I had a conversation with the boyfriend about this this morning, and it's like, out of all the holidays, I think Valentine's Day is the one that we have the most contempt for, just because it has been wholly subverted. Any, any like, meaning has been completely subverted to buy things, please. Yeah, well, I mean, this year, like, at least over here, we have no choice but to spend Valentine's Day... Uh, with our significant other and not buying things because we literally can't leave the house for multiple reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I understand that Valentine's Day is a very, like, generally at this point sort of cynical and commercialized holiday, but I like it anyway. I like having a day that's about, like, appreciating love <laughs> as a thing. I think that's cute. I mostly uh, like any holiday that the day after you can go to the store and buy very discounted candy. Yeah. Those are my favorite holidays. <laughs> so, so Valentine's Day, Easter, and Halloween. Yeah, that's basically just those three. We need to we need to start a tradition of uh, like a, a nationwide tradition of um, like Arbor Day candy. Um, like little tree-shaped chocolates or something, so that yeah, the and next they, day they, they can, can be on um, sale. They can reuse the tree-shaped Christmas, like, I think Reese's cups yeah. do peanut butter trees. They can just reuse them. Yeah, and by peanut butter trees, we mean sort of vaguely oval, <laughs> because they're so bad. They're, like, really not tree-shaped at all. That's true. I don't think I've ever gotten the trees. I have gotten the um, the uh, the, the ones eggs. that are just eggs. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a little bit easier because they're supposed to be ovals. Yeah. Just do peeps. I think peeps make Christmas tree, Christmas tree peeps also. Interesting. Um, now I'm looking What's because peeps. It's the day where you plant trees because the environment is a friend. 
Yes. Theoretically. I've never planted a tree on Arbor Day, but um, I think that's the, the point. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It's, it's okay. celebration of trees day <laughs> and plant a tree. Um, which, yeah, you know, not a very heavily celebrated holiday, but uh, that's why I'm saying, like, you know, it's ripe for commercialization and candy candyization. It does seem uh, interesting to me that we have a separate Arbor Day and an East uh, Easter. God, I'm, I'm looking Day. at the Peeps website. Yeah, Arbor Day and Earth Day. I'm at the Peeps website and Earth my eye is temporarily lit on the word Easter. Earth uh, Day is April 22nd and Arbor Day is April 30th. Oh, okay. They're, so, they're like a week apart. <laughs> so they're, they're like, not that far. Yeah, they're like sister holidays. Yeah. Um, what all, what have y'all been up to the past few weeks? Anything fun? Uh, Besides cowering in your chilly homes? Yeah. Yeah. I had like an interview this past week and I'm really, really hoping that that goes well for me because man, am I ready to quit my job? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's fair. Good luck. That's exciting. Are Thank you allowed you. to say what you're interviewing for or like not on not I mean, on the it's, record? It's, it's 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 not that interesting. Um it's just another like legal legal assistant okay position. So but for oh. an actual law firm this time. Nice. Uh, I didn't in a much you smaller were. company, which is yeah, that's that's basically I'm basically doing like paralegal stuff right now. Nice. Which is uh weird another yet another weird thing just to add to my cv uh, <laughs> um like like all of it but i i don't know i like it it's the kind of stuff i like it's it's details and make there some was, decisions there was a um there was a twitter post i was reading recently where some guy was saying like i've been going over like resumes for people applying to work at our company and I've noticed that, like, most uh, people who are applying for jobs now, like, haven't held a job for more than a year in the past five to eight years. What's going on? Um, yeah. And then there was, yeah, there were a lot of replies like, this is the current job market. Like, everything is terrible. Nobody, like, wants to stay with companies because they treat you horribly. Like, <laughs> where have you been? Yeah, like that's something that I even that I even like, you know, I have to answer every time it comes up. And I at least have the benefit of having moved a bunch in mm-hmm. the last like eight years, I guess. Um, but yeah, th- and that's the other thing that I said was I, you know, I uh, thoroughly stalked the company that I was interviewing for mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and their their average like length of time that people stay with the company is like 10 years. And I asked them about that and they're like, yeah, no, that's apart from like a couple of specific things a few years ago, people stay here for a long time. And I'm like, God, please hire me so I don't have to do this again in two years. <laughs> yeah. My God. Yeah. I consider myself pretty lucky that I've been in the same job for like the past like five, six years at this point. Yeah. So. Um, well, I had a fun weekend last weekend because it was chokeable. 
which means it was the Super Bowl weekend, which means instead of watching the Super Bowl, I watched uh, my friend Teddy and all of their friends play uh, a Square Enix RPG for the whole weekend. Uh, And this year they did uh, Super Mario RPG. Nice. Super Mario RPG is so good. Yeah. Well, it is and also, (laughs) and yet... um, it was good to see that, like, so Adriel was the one driving Adriel Wallach uh, for most of the, the weekend, because it was obviously with Corona, they did it remotely uh, this mm-hmm. year. Um, and it was good to see that she had a lot of the same complaints that I did <laughs> when I played it, um, which is namely, like, one, number one, isometric platforming is terrible. Why would you ever try to do platforming in an isometric perspective? Yes. Because there's no depth. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, and number two is that the, um, the like, there's that whole interesting, like, timing attack and defense system that just has, like, really not very good feedback. So it's very hard to tell, like, A, when you're supposed to do it, and B, if you, su- like, how well you, you succeeded or <laughs> whether you succeeded. Um but it, it was very cute. Um, this year, they did a special donation incentive called Smooch Fest, where uh, people would volunteer to draw in the chat, and then everyone would vote with money to draw characters from the game Smooching. Nice. That's a and, good. That's yeah. a good donation. And scheme. I ended up uh, drawing twice, actually. So I drew some Super Mario RPG smooches. Uh, the rules got oh, nice. like more and more off the wall as the thing went on. Because the idea was at first that it would be a chain where it's like, you know, you start with Mario and then you vote. Like the, the person drawing picks two characters to vote between and you vote. And then that person kisses Mario. And then that person becomes the next smoocher. And then you vote for two characters for that character to smooch and so on. Um, but they didn't consider ties. Um, so there became increasingly complex rules for what happens if you tie. <laughs> uh, so I ended up drawing a four-way smooch between, um, let's see, it was Gino, uh, Chain Chomp, um, uh, Piranha Plant, right <laughs> and a Balome, who's like this big like lion dog thing that's a boss in the game. <laughs> yeah, I drew that. And I also found my colored pencils and colored it. Nice. Yeah. And the second I, I, one, I, I also ended up drawing Vivi. It's very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So that was uh, that was that that was last weekend, <laughs> and it was a fun time. I highly recommend following Chocobole on Twitter, because then you will get notifications about you know when they're doing Chocobole and what they're gonna play and stuff. So. And they raised like uh, some some serious money for charity, so that's cool. I will be honest; I didn't realize that it was um, Super Bowl and therefore Choco Bowl weekend until Friday, the the Friday prior. I was sitting at work and I was thinking, "Huh, Super Bowl's got to be coming up soon, right? Right?" <laughs> and, then I, and then I looked and I realized, "Oh yes, it is coming up very soon." And then my immediate next thought was. Oh, that means Square Bowls this weekend. Huh. Cool. Yeah. And we had every $250, we got an adorable picture of uh, Adriel's dog, Jellybean. 
So oh. it was a good time. Raised like $5,300 for the bail project. So nice. Yeah. Good times. I, I would not have known it was Super Bowl weekend at all were it not for Chocobo tweeting about it. So. <laughs> all right. Shall we talk about the game if nobody's got anything else? Um, yeah. I can mention I played the, the update for Necrobarista. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was good. It was the... a really sweet story. And, and it's, uh, it's like more side character stories, you were saying? It's about like the two characters that like two kids that try to <laughs> steal that home. wine <laughs> or no they try to steal some like really expensive spirits or something yeah i think they tried to steal like the soul booze or whatever that was called yeah. oh yeah uh, yeah which that would be a problem but yeah <laughs> yeah i should play that i like Necrobarista is one of those games that I like had such a good experience with. I kind of don't want to play it again, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I kind of feel the same way about it. But if this is, I mean, yeah, this is like more stuff, which is different. Yeah, I just need to remember to actually do it. (laughs) Is it going to make me cry if I play the DLC? Um, it's not as sad as, like, the saddest part of the main game. Okay. Which is not a no, but... (laughs) Well, actually, it's not that sad. Okay. It's, like, pretty emotional. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I, I mean, I have no doubt that it's very good. Like, the, uh, the main game was good enough that I'm, I would expect, uh, this to also be very good. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm in a place emotionally where I can revisit that game yet. But we'll see. That's cool, though. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it's cool to see that they're uh, they're still releasing stuff for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I. I think there were like two or three updates planned, like story updates. So that's like even more to look forward to, which is. Ooh. Always welcome. Yeah. Let's see if they add the characters in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that too. Maybe we'll get to see all those folks. <sighs> okay. Um, I have no clever segue. Anybody got a good clever segue for the subway? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, speaking of clever segues uh we played some mike bithel games uh specifically we played subsurface circular and uh quarantine circular i always forget when i'm saying the two titles i know one word is the same between two of them but i always forget which one it is subsurface quarantine Yes, that's, that's I kind of now. almost, I almost do that every time. I'm like, sub, no, it's not subsurface. It's right. <laughs> the circle is the thing that is consistent. Um, and they're little like, so they're by Mike Bithell and team. They're just little short 
couple hour games and they're um conversation adventures question mark yeah there i mean it's what would you i would call almost the genre? say it's, it's like a it's like a type of visual novel yeah um that's fair um, yeah. And they're both they're both games where you like make a lot of decisions conversationally, but they don't have a lot of at least especially in the first one they don't have a lot of effect uh, in terms of how the game plays out. Yeah, but you you do feel like you're making decisions. I was always worried, like in the first one. So in the first one, you are uh, you are an android, not an android. Uh, yes, an android. Um, you are an android on a subway, and there's a. It's going around this like circular uh, underground subway route, and I always, uh, I was always worried because it shows the the like progression along the track. I was worried that it was time based, and if I like took too long to have conversations with anybody with everybody then it we would just get to the next stop and I, people would leave and i'd lose the ability to talk to them uh but Luckily, i think that's that not actually not the, case. the case yeah no yeah it's not it lets you it lets you get through like the current important bit of conversation with all the people that are on um on the train at that moment and then once you've like gotten the information that you need or or had the the bit of conversation that you need to have then it pulls into the next stop if you're done talking to people then they get off if you still have to talk to somebody for the next segment then they stay there and everyone else yeah. gets off new people get on but yeah it's yeah. a very clear chapter story type thing yeah yeah uh, but like it pre definitely presents like a time pressure thing it does. and kind of enforces it by having like one of the characters asking how many stops until a certain point. Yeah, that's true. That does happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's in, I think that the actual intention of that is to show you that you have the ability to like look at certain things, right? To encourage you to click the buttons on the screen because there's a, there's a thing on the screen you can click that shows you a map of the underground where you can see where all the stops are. And it's mm -hmm. important that you click the random things that appear on the screen because that also includes like your notes and your um, like logs of things you've learned, your conversation topics and whatnot. So I think it's supposed to sort of encourage you to be curious. Um, but it does it does have the unintended side effect of making you feel like you're under time pressure. <laughs> or I don't know, yeah. maybe intended side effect, who knows? Yeah, but even in the second game, they, like, always show the clock. Do they? I missed that part. I guess that is true. Yeah, the second game, it's not as apparent, but you do end up having the um, the time pressure of, well, the, the air quotes bad guys are going to probably be here tomorrow morning, <laughs> and we've got to do this thing, and it'll take a few hours. Um, oh, they they show the as... clock... They show the clock like at the beginning of each chapter. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, maybe they only show it at the beginning. Um, because they they'll like announce what time it is at the at the beginning of each chapter. But yeah, there's also there's a segment um in the one of the early chapters of that game where 
like a character says like, okay, you have 10 minutes and she has a patience meter that runs down as you ask questions. And that sort of is actually a limiting factor where you're only allowed to, I think, say a certain number of things, but it's enough to get what you need to get, so. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it only does click down the the patience meter um, when you ask certain questions, which, I think is just to make sure that you do get all the information you need rather than wasting your conversation on stuff that maybe is less informative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In both games, there's a, there's a thing where uh, as you're having conversations with folks, um, you like, there's a set of information that's vital information that's kind of necessary to the main plot. And then there's a set of information that's just more like world building-y or just fun or weird that's kind of optional. And that stuff you can miss if you get all the main uh, storyline stuff first, then those characters will leave and you'll just never get that dialogue. Um, So in that sense, you do actually have to be a little, if you want to see all the dialogue, you have to be careful about uh, who you talk to when and what you say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first game, you are an android on a subway, uh, and the subway is full of other androids, and you are interfacing with them. Uh, you are a detective um, whose job it is to solve, uh, solve solve crimes, solve mysteries that are appointed to you by your human uh, overlords, basically. Um, what do they call it? The, like the higher-ups or something like that? The management. The management, Right. Um, so supposedly like this is one of the few cities where, uh, techs as they're called are autonomous and treated with like kind of more or less as though they're people, but they still all report to, uh, to management and they're still kind of like their, their duties are dictated by people for the most part. Um, but they can't be owned. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that's really the only difference is that private ownership is not allowed but they're still effectively controlled by yeah owned by the city by the yeah by the city or the local government or whatever whatever the structure actually is they don't really get into it they kind of do but you don't get yeah. the full picture of it yeah and the implication is that the androids do have some autonomy because they like the first thing you do is take a case from another tech that you're not supposed to take yeah um and then you spend uh most of the game like trying to get to the bottom of this case uh and then make a decision at the end uh before we get into spoiler territory um you know there these are i there's still games that you could play if you know what's going to happen but they're they're because they're story-based games they're probably better if you go into them without knowing all the details first so they're only like two hours each and they're really good. And so I recommend uh, folks pick them up uh, before you get spoiled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was your warning. Spoilers. Uh, you're, the thing you're, you are ostensibly learning about is there's a disappearance going on where some techs have gone missing. Um, but what you're actually learning about is this... Uh, secret revolution that's going on where 
Um, one group of humans has created a tech army that's going to invade the city and put techs in charge. Like, basically, re drastically reduce the number of techs. Since they feel like techs are taking away people's jobs, um, they're going to drastically reduce the number of techs and make the techs in charge of, like, general management and running the city and then just make people do everything else. Uh, and then there's a faction, obviously, that's like in support of the status quo that, you know, wants techs to stick around and continue to do what they're doing, uh, even though they are under the thumb of management. And you're in the end, you have to make a decision about like which of those factions you support. Yeah. Out of curiosity, which one did you guys go with? I shot oh, red. This... Shot red. I shot myself this time. I think the last time I did shoot red because I I got a, an achievement that I didn't have before for shooting myself instead of red. So okay, uh. yeah, I I shot myself uh, because I was role playing this. Uh, I was role playing a machine character. Uh, I had like I had this thought in my mind like, okay, I am a detective bot. My goal in life is to detective and to find out things. Um, and so there's a, there's a part towards the end of the game where, um, you get basically stripped of your duties where some, some other techs come in and say like, Hey, you know, you weren't officially assigned to this case. You're being taken off of it and you're, you're going to have your mind wiped and you're going to be sent back to the factory for reassignment. Um, and I was like, this is unsatisfying to me because I did not solve the mystery. And I am detective bot whose purpose is to detective. And then in the end, you do solve the mystery. And I'm like, okay, I have done the thing. I fulfilled my purpose and solved the mystery. Whatever the humans are trying to fucking do to each other at this point is none of my business. And I don't really care that much. Like, fulfilled my purpose. I'm done here. And so I ended myself instead of ending the uh, the other bot. The other bot is called uh, the Red Tech. And it is the bot that's put in charge of managing the army and sort of leading them uh, by that human faction. But it is it doesn't have some of the higher cognitive abilities that you do. So it basically charged you to figure out this mystery so that you could make the moral decision about what it should do since it trusts your like higher level thinking judgment more than itself mm -hmm. which is i think i mean that's a that's a really interesting plot point to yeah. really frame the entire game because uh so the big spoiler is that red is the first tech that you meet he's the one who um you know, he, he meets you on the subway and says, hey, my friend has gone missing. Yeah. Um, I 100% like called that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. But uh, I also didn't recognize Red when he came back. And my character was like, it's you. And I'm like, "I should I know who, who this is? <laughs> who is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the designs are all very cool. And I think every single tech does have a unique design, um, yeah. except for... Except for like you know the the two detective robots, obviously they're a pair, so they look the same. Um, but otherwise, the the problem though is that they are all 
robots. They're very blocky, <laughs> and they each have like a single color associated with them. Yeah, uh, a little bit samey, but I mean, what what are you gonna do? They're all robots. So. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I was focusing more on the words and not the visuals. Like, this is yeah. mostly on me and not yeah. not as much on the visual design of the game. But, um, yeah, so the, yeah, as you were saying, the big reveal is that uh, that Red is the first tech. Yeah. Um, and he also sort of lays out the the intelligence structure. You, you talk to him and you find out that he's like a mid-level, whereas you're a high-level. And he's a mid-level because he has to, well, he 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 presents himself as like a, a manufacturing tech, but he's one of the manufacturing techs that has to deal with people. So he has to have like a personality. He has to, you know, be able to sort of read the room, I guess. And also he has to be able to uh, laugh at human jokes. Yeah. So that, so that people are more comfortable around him, whereas... Oh, you're the the player character is a high level tech because you know detectiving, you have to be able to analyze the data and also like make connections and stuff. But he's restricted. Well, it it they he is restricted to the subway. It can't leave the subway mm -hmm. um, because humans don't like having the high intelligence techs just kind of wandering around. It makes them yeah. uncomfortable. So. Yeah, I think what's it was really fascinating to me um, because a lot of sci-fi stories along these lines fall into the trap of everything is just kind of a one-to-one -one allegory, right? Like, oh, this is about, you know, like slavery or this is about, you know, like there's like it, it's pretty easy to just kind of fall into normal human moral questions. Um, but like what sci-fi does like uniquely that's super interesting is this idea of presenting moral questions that haven't come up before, right? That like, you know, what if you had X and Y, like, what would that even mean? And I think this does a good job of that in terms of like this whole intelligence structure where it's like, okay, you know, you really do have like different levels of thought ability and the, the androids recognize this. And so one of them is, you know, comes up to you and says, like, I am incapable of making this moral decision. Uh, and I recognize this. So I would like to appeal to someone who has, like, higher level decision making to do this for me. Yeah. I mean, don't we do that as humans? Yeah, but like, is it's not real as humans. Like, we we put people in a decision making authority, but you know, there's nothing for the most part. There is nothing technically qualifying that person to make bigger decisions, uh, except that we have arbitrarily given them that power and trust. Well, because well, like, I don't know experience, don't know you know, like study. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I feel like that's different, like, in like the sense of, like, coded into us, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the, yeah, the, the moral decision at the end, I thought, was a pretty interesting one of, like, do you think, like, is, with putting the, is putting the machines in charge a better call? Yes or no? <laughs> like, and, and it's not, I don't know. 
I do think it's kind of weird that they present it as like, shoot me or shoot yourself. Yeah, like, as though you couldn't or, exist under the new order. Or you can like, leave, stop this, talk things through. I think Come the up with another plan. I think the the shooting, at least I, I as as I understand it, the shoot red shoot self. You have to shoot yourself because if you leave the subway, um, the management can access all of the information that you have gathered. So the management will yeah. then know that this uprising is coming, and if you yeah. want to stop that, you have to completely destroy yourself. I don't yeah. necessarily buy that one hundred percent. I'm sure <laughs> that they can still salvage some data, but it, it works well enough. Yeah, it, it works for the setup. Um, the one thing I'm not a huge fan of uh, is that, like, while I think the moral choice is an interesting one, I I kind of am not a huge fan of games that, like, give you one big decision at the end. Um, yeah. Especially because you can literally just reload the last chapter and make the opposite decision and nothing changes. Right? Like, well, I mean, obviously, you, you get to see the other ending, but, like, you know, it's not... It's a, it's a single point that affects, like, the entire outcome of the game, which feels kind of weird and cheap a little bit. Yeah. Which I, they fixed I, for I the second one. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, like, isn't it a bit on you if you reload and do it? I mean, yeah, but, like... I, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, like. yeah, that's less a, that's less a, like, you know, finger wagging at having the ability to do that when it is like, that is a symptom of the problem, right? Which is that there is one interesting decision at the very end of the game um, that, uh, that's just sort of the, the moral binary, um, which like uh, quarantine circular has, eight endings i think so and they're they're based on things you do in various stages of the game uh affecting what you have the ability to do later on um, which i think is a is a much more interesting structure game wise mm -hmm. but, but i mean the first one endings? isn't or does it have one ending i mean i was looking at the achievement list and it seems like some of the endings are pretty different like there's three sort of categories of ending. Um, I didn't mean in terms of differences. I meant in terms of like to oh, me they look like a written a written ending. Yeah, I guess we 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 don't really know what the other endings uh, are or should be because uh, none of us got any of the other endings. So um, I guess yeah, we can jump ahead to uh, to the quarantine. Um, circular plot uh in quarantine circular you play a series of different characters uh that are all involved in the same conflict and the conflict is that an alien has landed on a human ship in the middle of a plague uh and the alien claims to be a doctor who is there to help you uh to help humanity survive the plague um but the the doctor is doing this against the wishes of like a greater uh like galactic council type entity um who says that you know they shouldn't interfere with uh a you know uh, an inferior species which humanity is um and so the the doctor is sort of like 
they're they're in secret. Um, and so there are a number of moral decisions uh, in this game. Uh, the first one, in the very beginning, you play as just this like language tech who's uh, calibrating the translator so they can talk to the uh, so that everybody can talk to the alien. Um, and you have the choice. The alien has had a restraint put on him uh, or put on them. I guess it, you, you get to choose the gender of the alien as one of your decisions. Um, so the alien has a restraint on and you can choose to leave the restraint on or to uh, take it off. Uh, and then this affects uh, later on, there's a character who is... Um, she's kind of like the hot-headed military type, basically, who just, like, explicitly does not trust the alien no matter what. Um, and you get to choose... There's, like, a, a point where she's antagonizing the alien, and you get to choose what happens, and uh, the alien takes a swing at her, and you can choose to, like, stand your ground or dodge. Um... I think the choices might be different if uh, you don't take off the the collar in the beginning. Um, but yeah, so different stuff can happen. So the the alien suit is like calculating a um, a cure for the disease, and the uh, every time the alien gets shocked by this like restraint device, it resets the calculations. So if you free the alien, then the alien doesn't get shocked when they try and punch this soldier. Uh, and the calculations can continue. If you didn't, then I gather what happens is that the, the shock collar resets the calculation. So you just don't have the uh, bacteriophage in time. Yeah. Which you makes have to... me wonder how, like, how that shakes out in the end. It seems like I was looking through the achievements. It looks like one of the things you do is you, when the like Galactic Council thing arrives, you you can bargain with them, with the oh, doctor wow. alien to like uh, like, hey, we'll give you back this political prisoner if you like help us with the plague, um, and things like that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was really uh, hoping it because it seems like in the ending that we all got they they do take the alien back with them, which is, like, I was more concerned, honestly, about that than about solving the plague issue. Do they? Because in mine, he, I think he got away. Really? So, yeah, I... Well, I'm pretty sure. Like, it, 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 it doesn't say, but it, it also... Say, it doesn't, it doesn't say... A solution for... Yeah. Basically, it just... It just says this is what's going to happen. We've only got a few hours before they show up and and take me back, and then they never really say, "Oh, we're going to fix the the issue of the order taking our friend." Um, it sounded I like it I sounded there like was in the implication. I have a vague memory of a conversation where he's like, "Like now, I got to get out of here before they get here," or something like that. But maybe it, maybe I'm misremembering, or maybe like I made a different decision somewhere along the line, and <laughs> there is actually a slight dialogue difference. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm there was sure. a dialogue where he needed to like go back and do the research, like until like the point they get there. Um, 
yeah, but they're also not there yet at the end of that. Um, so I don't know. But at any rate, um, yeah, so that's the, the ending all of us got is like the, um, you take the collar off, you let the alien punch out this, this person. And then the last decision is the, um, in that thread is that the alien has, um, like a cure and there's basically two things they can do. They can test it on you. And it might kill you if it's not working properly. Um, in which case, like, not only would... And you, in this case, is uh, the, like, one of the head um, epidemiologists in the world. They say, like, mm -hmm. probably, like, the number two uh, best epidemiologist in the world. And so they say, like, if it fails, the world is going to be out, like, one of their most important resources to combating the plague otherwise. Um so the other option is to let the alien go out and just like, uh, to like test it, like spread it through a crowd, and you know, like get uh, get data that way. Um, but I guess all of us chose to test it on uh, on ourselves because it seems like the right thing. Like you can't just have it tested on a bunch of random people. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other, the other question is, it sounds like, um, you, when the alien was taking the swing, you stood your ground and it punched, um, the security officer and not the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. If the security because... officer dodges, then I, I gather that it punches the doctor by mistake. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, what it looks the, like. the following dialogue really hints at that. Yeah, yeah. I I was looking at it and I was like, oh man, like I could dodge this, but I feel like it's gonna be worse if I dodge it. And also, uh, fuck this character. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem is they make Tang too unlikable because she's just entirely make... unreasonable. Yeah, Tang is extremely unlikable, and she yeah, doesn't and really the... have any good arguments other than it's an alien and aliens are scary. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good argument that they don't really explore enough, I think. Yeah. But, um, like, there's an issue, I think, with having you control every single character in the story. Yeah. Well, inevitably, you're going to side with someone, so you're going to try and work all conversations in that direction, no matter who you are. Um, yeah. But like, which makes it very hard when you're in control of Tang because you're like, uh, like I want to diffuse this situation because I like all the other characters, but Tang clearly just wants to escalate the situation. <laughs> so like, how can I escalate it as little as possible? Yeah, and you um, mentioned before like how you were like role playing as a detective mm -hmm. in the first game. Yeah. And I do think like, the second game really benefits like from a bit of role playing and i yeah really don't like role playing <laughs> yeah it's it's also harder i feel like it's harder to role play when you keep switching characters because you yeah. you're like intentionally asked to sort of empathize and see the empathize with and see the point of view of every like character in turn and so it's 
you know, you, you know, when you get to the, the point where you're supposed to be thinking like Tang, you've just had like a really long and like really sweet conversation with the alien as the doctor and you like really like the alien and you're like, well, now you want me to just arbitrarily switch to hostility? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I found a list of the endings, by the way, that uh, that I looked at earlier. Um, so the achievements are um, so restraint removed. Tang stood ground is uh, green giant, which is Allah volunteers to test the cure, which is the one we all got. Uh, distributed risk. Allah tells Gabriel to test the cure on the public or personal responsibility. Allah tells Gabriel to leave. So you can have him not finish the process. And I guess you do the testing yourself um, and you just have him leave. So he doesn't get, uh, get caught presumably. Oh, okay. uh, there, there's restraint removed Tang dodged. So if you dodge out of the way, uh, big pharma Tang brokers, a deal, the uh, freedom for a cure, the bigger life form Tang lets Gabriel leave with no cure. Or Law and Order, Tang stuns Gabriel with no cure. Uh, and then there's the, okay. the restraint stayed, um, which, says, which says Mark stuns Gabriel and Mark walks away. So in that one, apparently Mark the language tech is like the main decision maker. So I'm not 100% sure how that's supposed to play out, but it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. Huh. I wonder yeah. if... Especially, like, I got the feeling, like, Mark was kind of presented, presented as the protagonist in the beginning. You know, he, yeah, he's the first one that you get to be, so. And then kind of doesn't exist until the very end, where, like, he randomly shows up. Yeah, I'm guessing. At the very least, oh, I was going to say, at the very least, I feel like if he's not the protagonist, he's definitely, like, the player analog. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She's the one who knows the least depth. about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and he says several times or has the option to say several times, like, this is way above my pay grade, guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here, but Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm guessing, and again, like I didn't play this this section, so I don't know, but my guess would be um like the you know, the alien, um, Gabriel is the alien. Uh like must still probably still tries to punch and gets electrocuted by the the restraint i would guess and then maybe when tang is like tang and the others are having off having a conversation like uh mark is alone with gabriel and gets to decide whether to um like let him go or not yeah, I don't know. Uh, would be a guess, but I, I honestly have no idea how that section is supposed to play out. So I might have to go through this one again, even though I really don't want to have like, I want to see the other stuff, but I also don't want to have to be mean to the alien. <laughs> right. Um, that's, yeah. that's always the problem that I face. Yeah. And it's they it's they really, really encourage you to take off the restraint in the first section because when the game starts before you have any like real idea of how it works, there is a trust meter uh, where it mm -hmm. shows you how much the alien trusts you during the conversation. And like 
every gamer instinct is to max out that bar, right? Gotta fill the it's, bar. Yeah, yes. like there's a bar and you want it to to fill up because like I don't know what I'm being tested on, but clearly I'm being tested and I have a visual indicator of how I'm doing. So I want that yes. bar to go up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it would be very hard to get, and that makes sense because there's only two endings that result from you leaving the restraint on, and there's six that result from you taking it off. So it makes sense yeah. that they kind of steer you towards like the greater, uh, you know, decision making. But from from looking at the achievement stats, around forty eight percent of players get Green Giant, which is the ending that we all got. And that's including people who don't finish the game at all. So that's yeah. that's an I'm overwhelming so amount that, like, of people. I'm so impressed that like 50% of the people finish the game. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rare in itself. Yeah, I guess it, it, it works to the game's advantage that it's a pretty short thing. I was going to so. say, to, to be fair, it's only two hours. So, you know, if you are yeah. the sort of person who starts playing a two-hour Mike Bithel game, you're probably going to finish playing a two-hour Mike Bithel game. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's also, like, it's not the type of game you randomly get. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless it's, like, in an indie bundle or something like that. Yeah. But it's like a sequel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like considering there are eight endings and that number includes everyone who didn't finish the game, like 48% on one ending is a pretty strong skew. Yes. So I, I think like, you know, that's that signifies what I would expect, which is that um, most people generally want things to work out. Also, this game, like I'm sure that includes statistics from before COVID, but this game hits a little different in, in COVID times. True. Definitely true. Um, Where you're like, no, listen, the cure is the most important thing. If this thing, if this alien says it can help us, we are trying to get a cure. Yeah. I would also, I would also assume that um, people who tend to play these more narrative heavy games mm -hmm. probably also tend towards maybe the the more mediated uh, approach in in conflict high high empathy paths. yeah yeah i mean i obviously i can't say that for sure but that is my my gut instinct yeah um, that would make sense um i i did appreciate though um like it's it's interesting because i think the moral question in the first game is a lot more sort of ambiguous and more gray um but whereas like the moral question in the second game is it's pretty clear like what the correct answer is as i think we all saw yes but the but the second yes. one is much more interesting i think in its structure and storytelling and your like actions earlier in the game having like interesting consequences and mm -hmm. you you being able to like really see and feel those consequences as you're going through so I, I appreciate the format of the second game a lot more, I think. Yeah, I the format is way better. Um, like being able to explore diff like different characters. Mm -hmm. Like even though you might I might not necessarily want to like 
control everyone. Mm -hmm. I think it's stronger in the second one, but I think the overall like story is better in the first one. Yeah, I think it uh, it would have been nice to, and I guess you can't do this really without making the game too long, but it would have been nice to maybe get to play as Tang a little bit before the confrontation at the end, just to kind of get in her head a little more. So you get a better idea of like why she feels the way she does. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's the whole sequence that happened when the, like the first, first contact where um, the alien wasn't alone. The alien came with uh, another alien, a co-pilot that Tang killed. Yeah. Or that Tang, you know, and the security forces killed that, that other alien, um, which is a, a, a big deal. <laughs> Yeah. Like it, it explains a lot of um in particular Gabriel's animosity towards Tang. Um, even if it doesn't, you know, even if Tang doesn't have a great reason to have yeah. animosity towards Gabriel, you see that Gabriel has uh, a big reason. Yeah, so. like if you if if it had been the other way around, I kind of feel like it might have been more balanced. Like if you know, Gabriel had come alone and maybe someone on the security team had been, like, very aggressive towards them and Gabriel had, like, accidentally killed that person or something. Like, then you, Tang would maybe be justified a little bit of, like, hey, no, this thing is dangerous and has killed someone. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, we, we don't even see the, the initial conflict. Um, yeah. Tang asserts that the other alien lunged at her. And Gabriel asserts that that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, and given given that they are explicitly uh, coming to Earth on a humanitarian mission, I do find it a little difficult to believe that uh, that they would attack first. But you never yep. know. Yeah, uh, and like Tang Tang is never really presented as reasonable. <laughs> Like she's just no. she's just pretty antagonistic the whole time. Yeah, but it's not just like being reasonable. It's like she has no motives. Well, I mean, her motive is presumably fear of the unknown. But you're right. Like they don't do a great job of establishing like her her <laughs> sort of mindset and why she uh, why she's so antagonistic. I think yeah, like, I, it would have been really cool if Quarantine Circle would have been like the sort of like no right answer game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does it does feel very much like the the ending that we all got is like the good ending. <laughs> but I it would be interesting to see like what it looks like if you know you're um like you tell Gabriel to leave before he finishes the cure um, or you like broker a deal. Like I, I am curious about the other endings, but I do say like, if I had to pick only getting one ending, it would be the ending that I got. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, I guess sort of as a side note thing, there are some cute Easter eggs uh, in both games um, in quarantine. There's a, there's a little, um, there's like a little tiny reference uh, to Subsurface where you like, 
I think it's Gabriel asks something about text and uh, one of the characters is like, oh yeah, like we have like text. There was a, uh, you know, there's, there's a few um, tech controlled cities out there. Like there was an uprising a while back, but like nothing really much came of it. They mostly like to keep to themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> that happened, I guess. Um, and in the first game, there is uh, both a Hamilton achievement that you can get where you like talk to a robot about musical theater. Um, and there's a reference to um, Mike Bithell's previous game, which is Thomas Was Alone, where uh, the, <laughs> the religious robot, the priest, will just like read you the intro text of uh, Thomas Was Alone. Yeah, it turns out that uh, Thomas is alone is one of like the central uh, tenets of their faith, or a, yeah. a, a major parable in in mm -hmm. one of their faiths. Um, that's cute. I like that yeah. bit. I let him. Yeah. I let him go through the whole spiel. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I played this game. I remember. And then at the end, you can say like, keep going. And the character says something like, that's enough for now. It it really doesn't make sense anyway without the like uh the narration and the mediocre puzzles. And I'm like, oh like Beth Hell, be nicer. Like that was a pretty good game. Yeah. I have no opinions. <laughs> it was a fine game. I have I have fairly fond memories of it. I remember failing at the platforming a lot, but um, I remember overall enjoying the game. It was all right for its time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that kind of cute stuff. It's also, um, I don't know, like it's very visually polished considering it's like a two hour indie game. Yeah. Like they're both like pretty hyper realistic games. And like I, it benefits from the fact that there's like basically one set. There's like two in in quarantine, mm -hmm. um, but there's basically like one set and a very limited cast of characters. And in subsurface, they're all robots, so they're like pretty easy to model. And there's not a ton of animations, um, so like they they did a like pretty good, you know, sort of minimal minimal requirements for a realistic art style but they still chose a hyper realistic art style which is like not an easy thing to do yeah it reminds me like some of the um the i'm not going to call them shortcuts but um some of i guess the the set streamlining that they did um particularly in quarantine you know everybody's wearing a hazmat suit so they've all got like a full helmet you can't see their face there are character portraits that you can see, but you can't see anyone's face in in game or in the model, except yeah, nobody's for the nobody's alien. face has to animate. <laughs> yeah, and that reminded me a lot of um, Tacoma, where yeah, you you see like their hologram outlines that were you, you see know, their wireframes basically, yeah, basically their wireframes and like the the bones on the rig. Yeah, um, and um and you know character portraits that you can see through menus and that's what that reminded me of and yeah, i so i this is I this is that kind of um not 
you know, working yeah, with what smart, you have. Smart, yeah, smart use of available resources. And this is mm -hmm. how smart Quarantine Circular is. I had forgotten they were all wearing hazmat suits. Like, I, it's only been like a like a week or two since I've played this. And I I had mentally mapped the, the dialogue portraits onto the people. I forgot that you don't see anyone's faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's how effective that is. Yeah, and and that's the thing. The other thing is that the character portraits are very good, like full, yeah. fully rendered, um, but not like, yeah, not, not like, actively animated. Yeah, and um, that you know, that's that's kind of all you need, mm -hmm. like to be able to like this is the character. They're not just a spacesuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we're just gonna show you the spacesuit, and it's yeah, fine. Exactly. You've seen what the person inside the spacesuit looks like. Now you can just look at the spacesuit and know. Yeah. Yeah, very, very smart. And the alien has like animated alien face movements, but it's an alien, so you don't have to worry about like uncanny valley stuff because it's an alien. I like I like the um the clicky clicky growly alien noises that it makes also. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the aliens from District Nine. Yeah. The it, it, yeah, because it kind of has those little like mandible flaps. Yep. But, but, yeah. Yeah. I liked the alien design. And, like, I think they wanted it to be, like, so the alien looks really, like, massive and scary so that, you know, you're you're not 100% willing to trust it immediately. But I think they could have gone further on that axis because it still looked like, oh, yeah, he's just a dude. He's just a dude who wants to be friends. Yeah, I I think they probably would have been better served making him less humanoid, honestly. Yeah. Um, because it's still it's it's an alien, right? But it's still got two legs, two arms. It's got hands. It's got opposable thumbs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, man, get in there and get in there and make it wild. <laughs> yeah, right. It's an alien. It could be anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Overall, I, I definitely enjoyed both games, I would say. I think, like, you can definitely see the iteration on the formula that happened for the second one. Like, the character switching is more interesting. The, the narrative decisions are more interesting. There's more direct use of the, like, notes format. It occurs to me we never actually talked about, like, what the actual mechanic is in the game. Because um, it's not, strictly speaking, dialogue trees. It's dialogue trees, but also as you go through the dialogue trees, um, you unlock like points of interest, basically, that you get a list of. Uh, and after that, there are certain points in the conversation where things go back to like a neutral state and you can start up a new thread of conversation. And at that point, mm -hmm. you can pick any of the conversation points you want to start at that you've unlocked. Um, so a lot of the game is actually kind of puzzle-like, especially in the first one where the goal is to like talk to people in a certain way, in a certain order, or say the right things to them to unlock the conversation points you need to talk to other people. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, there's like a puzzle in with the two detectives in the first game, where like one detective is actually like a mood bot that's assigned to control the mood of the other detective. <laughs> So you have to talk to one to get this, the, you have to talk to the mood bot 
uh, about certain things to put the detective in a correct move, mood so you can talk to the detective about the right things, which was sort of yeah. interesting and uh, weird. Yeah, there was also a puzzle where you meet a an athlete tech who has been yeah. programmed with a like a sponsorship protocol so you can't talk to him without him trying to shill um i think it was like a like some kind of like battery energy energy yeah. pod product yeah um, it's basically the robot equivalent of like red bull or whatever <laughs> yeah and so you have to figure out via conversation with a different robot um how to temporarily disable his sponsorship um, sponsorship protocols so that you can actually have a conversation um, with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was sort of a neat thing. And sometimes you like have an option of talking to people about certain things, but it's not vital. So if you don't talk to them about it, you just don't get to see that dialogue because it, uh, you know, you figure out the main course of action and it skips you through it. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a pretty effective conversational system. It's like the, you know, right amount of decision making to make it just barely like not have that kind of railroad feel that most visual novels have. Yeah. Even though it is still a very linear, like fairly railroaded experience overall. Yeah. yeah. The only issue I had, I had with it was like, you get a lot of repeated dialogue sometimes where you like if you don't like understand what like puts the mood bot in the right mood oh yeah then you have to go to, through the same dialogue yeah that's times. Fair. yeah and it's yeah some of the puzzle solving aspect um mm -hmm. does take you in a bit more of a circular direction i think there's a a little bit less of that in the quarantine one because it's less puzzly and more about decisions it feels like um so they do less like backtracking based on what you you know like oh you just didn't pick the right thing it's more like you have picked a thing and we're going to try and just roll with whatever you picked um although it's it's interesting how the game system works with these like little dialogue loops where like there are you generally speaking you can't go backwards in a loop like you you make decisions of like what you're going to say and it just keeps moving forward but then the loop ends and it gets you back to sort of a hub state in the conversation and then you can pick a different direction to go in in the hub conversation and those you like keep coming back to usually until you've exhausted all available options so it's it's sort of an interestingly designed, I don't know, like it's not exactly a conversation tree system, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's an approach for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think it worked well for what they were doing uh, for this game, so. I don't know. That's all I can think of. I think like we talked about the art style. We usually talk about the music. I think the music was pretty unobtrusive. I don't remember it very well. Yeah, I I it's remember it more in loud. Surface. Yeah. It's weirdly like it's weirdly in your face, actually. 
<laughs> kind of like your generic sci-fi soundtracks. It's it's no uh, oxen free. Um, True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, not much to say, I guess, on the uh, on the soundtrack. Other than I do, I did also like the buggy alien noises um, for Gabriel <laughs> in the second yeah. one. Uh, yeah, any other like big areas we want to hit or or stuff about the game that we want to mention? It's funny because usually when we have narrative heavy games, they, these end up being longer episodes, but I, I kind of came into this thinking, I feel like this is going to be a shorter one. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, they're short games. Like they, they yeah. kind of, they all, they both revolve around like one single central, like, you know, idea. Like we mm -hmm. could get into like every single character that you get to be as uh, in, you know, in quarantine and whatnot, but that's like, they're all kind of fitting into parts. I guess there's like, you know, we could go through some of the highlights. We went through a few of the highlights in uh, in subsurface. Um, we could talk about some of the cool moments in quarantine, like where you at the end where you get to be the captain and you have to like do kind of a sort of court martial type trial where you hear everybody's testimony and then you decide um, what should be done. <laughs> impact on the game i think it's kind of just a like here's here's everything you've got now make a decision do you get to yeah. talk to everybody i only got to talk to um mark and the doctor lady yeah um, well yeah and the and the the assistant helps you out but i assume that in uh depending on your choices you might have tang there instead of the doctor yeah that's true um, i guess that makes sense Maybe maybe there's like a, a, a more oppositional um a bit if you like if you don't convince the uh, PhD student that the plague wasn't caused by aliens. Yeah. That that was a bit that was a bit that I thought was a little bit uh I don't know. It it seemed like an odd choice because you've got this this PhD student who I don't know, she's supposed to be very brilliant, but then the second an alien shows up she says, I got it, you guys, it's aliens. The aliens did the plague. Yeah. Like, like really? And then, yeah. and then the, the second you, like, let the alien talk to her, she says, oh, just kidding. I was wrong. Like, yeah. What, what is this character? Um, yeah, she's, she's not, but, luckily know. she's not actually in it that much. Um, yeah. I feel like she's not in it that much because I didn't pick her for anything. I mean, maybe that's it. True. Maybe she could be in it more, and we just didn't uh, didn't go that way. Um, the there's also a, a very nice scene where you and the doctor are out on the ship, and you play kangaroo words, and then you have a rap battle. Yeah, that was cute. I Which mean, is just, uh, just a with the alien. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's a good way of sort of getting you to like bond with and feel empathy with the alien character which is uh which is very sweet it's possible like there was there... a dialogue option of like we should just like sit quietly for the next few hours or whatever so maybe like you don't have to have that conversation there is, there is an achievement i saw looking in the achievements for um for not 
you know, being friendly with with the alien for being like strictly professional as the as the uh, mm. doctor. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know if if you get that just by saying no. We'll just sit here in silence and stare at each other for several <laughs> hours, or yeah. if you can maybe if you can um, not play the games oh. at all. But I don't. Oh, there's also a there's also a dialogue option which is strictly speaking that like the the alien asks you are we friends <laughs> and you can say yes or no so maybe that's just saying no with that dialogue option that could be it too i said yes even <laughs> though i don't said know yes <laughs> i don't i don't know if in in real i would uh be comfortable answering that way especially considering like yo i just met you not yeah. ign we'll ignore the fact that you are an alien from space uh but yo i just met you <laughs> I don't know I mean, if we're friends yet. But. I think literally, I, for me, it would be because it's an alien from space. I'd be like, yeah, we're friends. Like, this is yeah. what humans do. We are friends with people quickly, and we trust you. <laughs> like That is true. <clears throat> so, like, best foot forward. <laughs> and let's be real. If I had the opportunity to become friends with an alien, and all it took was telling the alien hey we're friends now i would probably <laughs> yeah. go for it i probably would go for it yes you need to make yeah. a friendship bracelet yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> have to be pretty big his arms are quite wide it's true um i tried so hard to talk with the alien in the at the end as the admiral yeah like, it's, i thought he would be the one in charge to do it but the game really doesn't let you. Yeah. I noticed that too, I because I was going to try to do the same thing. Because I feel like, yes, the Doctor had a good rapport with the alien, but at the end of the day, the Admiral is in charge, and it that, that kind of decision-making, realistically, within a, mm -hmm. you know, within ostensibly a military-slash-not-military, like, big multinational... <laughs> um coalition yeah. <sighs> if they would send just a doctor i think they would probably yeah. want to leave it to the guy who is actually in charge, in charge. but yeah you're right they yeah, really and they they, they really they kind of away. away from it yeah they wave it away by saying like oh you've already you know you have a good rapport with him because you you know like you've chatted with him most and like this needs to be approached delicately but like you as the admiral you have the power of like ceding your authority to her and saying like i don't want to make the decision you just do what you do best and i'm like you're a freaking admiral that is not what you would say <laughs> yeah and then once you go out there for that blast um that last conversation with whoever you pick, I guess, as the doctor, mm -hmm. you can just lie. You can just say, like, oh, by the way, alien, you killed Tang. Um, yeah. And we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> like, why, why would you pick those options if you have already, you know, developed something of a of a relationship with this alien? It's, yeah. um, that would, that be, would be a, a much, very much more a heel turn. Yeah, that would be much more a thing that uh, that you would uh, that like a decision you would make if you were playing the general in that moment or the the admiral and not something that the doctor would say. Yeah, 
I, was... I wonder if there was originally plans to have the Admiral do that section, but then they wanted to make it so that the Doctor had, like, consent about choosing to be experimented on. Um, oh, that's true. Because she's, she's the most, like, she's, she's the only character who can really give fully informed consent, because she's the only one who kind of understands the medical procedure that would be going on. Yeah. <laughs> that is um, true. I didn't maybe, think about that. But... Um, but yeah, no, it's, that's sort of a tough, I don't know, it's tough to make a story like that without, um, at least partially biasing in favor of, like, the thing that you think is the correct answer. True. Yes. <clears throat> but for sure it could have been, it could have been more balanced in a lot of cases. Um, but again, overall, I feel like uh, I enjoyed these both a lot. And I like that they're small and bite-sized and you don't have to spend like eight hours playing it. Yeah. I think I think both of these probably would outstay their welcome. Um, if they were much longer, yeah. 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 I mean, it is, you know, not not that I haven't played actual very long visual novels, but it's a lot of text and you really have to I at least really have to like be in that kind of mood to just I'm going to sit yeah. down and I'm going to read this visual novel for several hours like yeah um, yeah yeah that's fair all right any uh, I, I know I keep saying this any other like last things that uh, we want to mention before we wrap up I think that was my last last thing those were my last last things so i'm good yeah i'm done all right cool so uh next game then what is the what is the next thing we're playing carl yeah the next game we're playing is a bpm a bullet per minute by all interactive and, and it's a first person shooter roguelike rhythm game and now which for are, something completely different. Yeah, which are two out of three things I usually dislike. So we'll see how this goes for me. But I'm excited to try it. It's very outside my normal comfort zone in terms of games. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I really don't care for roguelikes. And I'm... Uh, First-person shooters, it depends on the game. But the fact that there is a rhythm game component is really what's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's, it's like stopping me, me from... Yeah, stopping me from com being completely negative on it. I'm like, intriguing. Like, this could be either yeah. done very well or very poorly. And I'm curious to see which. So Yeah, same. Because I've, like, you know, I've, I've played a little bit of Crypt of the Necrodancer. And it's rhythm-based attacking can be rough. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes, I guess. Yeah. I did not enjoy Crypt of the Necrodancer. No. Well, we'll see if this does it better then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Kelso. Yes. Uh, Hello. Where can, where can people uh, reach us if they want to talk about that game? Yeah, well, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Feedback Force. And uh, there on Twitter, you will find a link to the Discord where you can come hang out um join us for future episodes suggest games or just just have a little chat 
just chat just come uh, come find... tell us why our opinions are wrong yeah that's that is definitely something you can do um and then you can find me on twitter at kelso time bomb that's uh, it that's all i got you can find me on twitter uh, at Kyla underscore go, if you want to see uh, the smooch drawings that I did for um, for Chocobol Six, uh, or highly the, recommended, yeah, or the Pokemon thread I'm currently working on, um, or you can follow uh, the Twitter for the game I worked on at Wintermore TC uh, for Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, which is available on Steam and on consoles. Uh, if you would like to play it, and you should buy it because it's very good. It is. I agree. Yeah. Hello, I'm Carl. You can follow me at Skug3 on the Twitters. That's Skug with a K and two Gs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you you know if you have strong feelings about bullets per minute and you want to be part of the conversation we love having guests on so hit us up and uh you too can can come and, and discuss your feelings yeah yeah always always ready to have guests on so yeah. if you got uh, a sunday what was i gonna say if if you don't have anything going on on a sunday i think is where i was going yeah you can yeah. totally just just swoosh your way on in here it's yeah great yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And we'll be here next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.